Welcome to Change Now. Yes, because we need to change now. Now is when your impact story starts. Listen, get inspired by visionary change makers, and be part of the change. After the agreement reached in 2022 at COP27 on a loss and damage fund, hope has grown for vulnerable countries suffering from the effects of climate change. Join Vanessa Nakate, founder of the Rise Up Movement, as she delves into the challenges and potential outcomes of this pivotal decision. After decades of advocacy by Pacific leaders and climate activists, we helped to achieve an historic breakthrough at last year's climate change negotiations. Finally, at COP27, the countries agreed to establish a fund for loss and damage, a fund that could start to offer support to those who are already losing livelihoods and lives as a result of the impacts of ravaging storms, endless drought and rising tides. So what is needed now? So many things. Yes, the countries reached an agreement to set up a fund, but how? And where is the money needed to fill it? A report co-written by Nicholas Tan last November found that developing and emerging countries will need $2 trillion per year by 2030 to cope with climate breakdown. The numbers are so large, they are almost impossible to comprehend. Whatever the sum really is, it is much larger than it needed to be. And that is because the fossil fuel companies lied. It is clear now that they knew what they were doing. They ramped up production and piled up their profits, all while our planet cooked and people suffered. And governments enabled the fossil fuel industry and promised action, but delayed and delayed and delayed. So what is needed? Money is needed, real money, and it needs to come now. People are already suffering and dying. Estimates of the total losses from the recent floods in Pakistan alone are $40 billion. And millions of people are already ready to flee their homes to find water, food, and safety. A recent report said more than 1 billion people face being displaced within 30 years as the climate crisis worsens. 1 billion people. The numbers are so large, they are almost impossible to comprehend. So what is needed is money, real money and now. And it, it must come in the form of grants and not loans. The last thing the poor, debt-ridden, climate-vulnerable countries need, to pay, need is to pay high interest rates to rich global north countries for loans to help them address a crisis they have done nothing to create. 
In fact, many of the global North countries got rich in the first place by extracting, selling, and burning fossil fuels. And they are getting richer and richer still. Energy Monitor reported that the combined profits of some of the world's biggest oil companies, Chevron, ExxonMobil, BP, Shell, and Total Energies, amounted to nearly $200 billion in 2022. The numbers are so large, they're almost impossible to comprehend. And while their profits piled up, so did the emissions. Wet bulb conditions where the temperature combined with humidity will not allow human the ability to sweat to cool themselves and their bodies will begin to suffer. Record heat has burned through over 2 million acres of land in Alberta. For several weeks, a blistering heat wave has ravaged Spain with temperatures 15 degrees Celsius warmer than expected for April. Scientists now believe parts of Spain are tipping towards desertification. Delhi recorded a temperature of over 46 degrees Celsius this week. The numbers are so large, they are almost impossible to comprehend. So money, real money, and in the form of grants and not loans, and debt relief, and now. And on top of that, we need to make sure the money gets to those who need it the most, to the communities on the front lines of the climate crisis, the people who are losing everything and not lining the pockets of rich leaders. So money, real money, in the form of grants and not loans, and debt relief, and into the hands of those who need it most, and now. But there is something else. While we rightfully should celebrate the breakthrough on loss and damage and push for finance to start flowing there is something that must stop. And that is finance for new fossil fuels. Let's be very clear here. More fossil fuels equals more fossil fuels call for the need for loss and damage funds and at the same time advocate for developing new coal, oil and gas. The IPCC has been very clear, crashing through the guardrails of 1.5 degrees Celsius risks creating tipping points that will unleash hell upon people all around the world, especially in the global south. The IEA has been very clear. We have enough existing fossil fuel reservoirs to manage a clean energy transition. And we cannot have any new fossil fuel development if we are to have a fighting chance of staying below 1.5 degrees Celsius. The United Nations Secretary General has been very clear 
any new finance for fossil fuels would be moral and economic madness. Of course, this will not be easy. The leaders like to remind us of this. Ironically, too much more challenging because many of those same leaders delayed and delayed. But now we are here. We need a global, just and equitable phase out of coal, oil and gas. And the first step in phasing out fossil fuels is no new. No new coal, no new oil, no new gas. We need to combine that with an immediate and massively scaling up of investment in renewable energy, especially in the global south. While the numbers involved in all of this are so large, they are almost impossible to comprehend. There are some simple truths. We cannot just focus on the consequences of the climate crisis. We must call out the cause. It is fossil fuels. COP28 cannot be about reducing emissions through technologies that are nowhere nearby ready. The UAE must facilitate the world in agreeing to phase out all fossil fuels. They must also ensure that finance going to the poorest countries to fund this transition is hugely increased and there must be real money for mitigation and adaptation. But we have waited too long and now we must have real money for loss and damage. And it has to start now. When you see a family or a friend or a child in a burning house, the first thing you do is to stop the fire and rescue their lives. But what we are seeing now is when someone sees a family in a fire and runs to build them another home, they may never get to enjoy the comforts of that new home. So that's why it's important for us to address the cause of the crisis. Get people out of the fire, help them recover and restart their lives. No more excuses, no more delay, no more broken promises, no more lies, no more new fossil fuels. Thank you. Thank you, Vanessa, for your touching words. My head is spinning and my heart is breaking as I hear you state these facts that are known to so many of us, but still mind-boggling in the sense that nothing is really done about it. Vanessa, I would love to ask you probably quite a simple yet powerful question. If you were in the audience or elsewhere and had to do one thing right now, what would you do? Where would you start? How would you get involved as a citizen, as an employee, as someone trying to do the right thing? What are you suggesting? Thank you so much for that question. Well, I think it's important for all of us to understand that there is something 
that we must do to address the climate crisis. There is a role and responsibility for all of us. It doesn't just lie with young people. Many times I say, even in what you do, you can add climate activists to that. That if you are a teacher, you can use the platform as a teacher to educate your students starting now. That if you are a journalist, you can use the platform to tell and amplify the stories of those on the front lines of the climate crisis. Because every activist has a story to tell and every story has a solution to give and every solution has a life to change. If you are a lawyer, a judge, we've seen cases being taken to courts by activists. So it's really about seeing your part in the movement not everyone will go to the streets not everyone will be able to do that but in whatever work that you're doing find how you can use your skills your resources and your platform to advocate for climate justice thank you so much Vanessa um, a second quick question as we are approaching the next COP conference already at the end of the year what will you be lobbying for as the source of the money? Is it the states? Is it the G7? Is it the fossil fuel companies? Is it a fund that combines all of these? What do you propose as the source of this money and how can we all help to push for that? Well, honestly, as you can see, I am not a loss and damage expert. Uh, but I am someone who has seen the impacts of the climate crisis in different places. Uh, especially in Africa. And currently, our message is we have the fund, but it's still empty. And we need that fund to have money as soon as possible. So I leave that to the loss and damage experts in guiding us on who needs to put in how much. But like you had, many countries in the global north, they profited on the burning of fossil fuels. And those, you know, that are on the front lines of the climate crisis, they didn't cause this crisis. So it goes back to who has that responsibility to pay for, for loss and damage. We know who caused the crisis and we know who needs to pay for this. And I think there is for learning from the loss and damage experts or climate finance experts in guiding us in how to make this happen. The most important thing is that the money gets to the communities that need it the most and that this money comes in the form of grants and not loans. Again, like I said, using your place, you know, in the movement to contribute to that. I may not be an expert, but I'm using what I've seen, stories and experiences of people on the front lines to say we need money in the loss and damage fund to help people that are suffering right now. Thank you very much, Vanessa Nakate. Um, and thank you for the work that you do. We pledge to be by your side um, and join the fight. And thank you for uh, spending your time with us today. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye.